Night gathers, and now my rewatch begins. Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm for people who party like Tyrion and slay like Daenerys, brought to you by Grand X Media. I am Ross Bolin, here at the uh, home of Grand X Media in Austin, Texas, with Barrett Dudley. Hello. Hello, sir. Good afternoon to each and every one of you. Indeed. This is the night's rewatch. We're doing a podcast for every episode of Game of Thrones, starting with season one, episode one, leading up to the final season of our favorite show, so we can all be as prepared as possible. Take the black and join us. As a member of the Clam Fam, and as a brother or sister in the Night's Rewatch, you are capable of invoking Sumai on Man Outfitters and getting 15% off your entire order if you spend 150 bucks or more with free shipping included always. So hit manoutfitters.com now. All you have to do is type in the code SUMAI, S-U-M-A-I, at checkout, and you get that big-time discount so you can stock up on fresh th- threads for spring and summer and save money while you do it. Which is great, isn't it, Barrett? It is very nice. Um, as I usually say, I like to go to the Man Outfitters app, tap the new button on the bottom, little blue dot whenever there's anything new. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's where I like to cruise for, cruise for clothes. Sometimes clothes cruising. Clothes cruising. Sometimes you're cruising for chicks. Sometimes you're cruising for good times. Sometimes you're cruising for clothes, right? Sometimes you're like Oberyn and you're cruising for any member of any You're sex. cruising for anything at all. Just anything with a hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want to miss out on half the world's pleasures. You don't. You really don't. That's why you go to manoutfitters.com. Yeah, where there are all the world's clothing pleasures. Indeed. Indeed. Mm. Yeah, spring is here. Summer is coming. We got great <clears throat> swim trunks, Hawaiians, t-shirts, hats, watches, socks, shoes, we find the best brands in the world and get their best products and put them in one place so you don't have to do so much shopping. Shopping's hard. Don't, yeah, don't go to the mall. The who, mall wants, who wants to do that? The mall's dead. The only reason that you should be going to the mall is to get Pinkberry. Or if you're an elderly person who needs to maintain uh, some type of physical activity and you need to walk in a circle, yeah. in an, in an a- air-conditioned Air conditioned, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all of the... Uh, septuagenarians of the clam fam i don't even know what that means but yes <laughs> shouts to them for sure absolutely manoutfitters.com sumai at checkout s-u-m-a-i manoutfitters is a massive part of what we do here at grand x this is operated owned and operated in-house this is not some random website we're pushing you to um not that there's anything wrong with that but man outfitters is ours this is our baby and that's why we're giving you the 15% off, so you'll go check it out. So at the very least, go look. See if you like anything. Uh, if you do, save some money when you buy it. If not, no hard feelings. Westworld fans, if you like OCC and the way we do things here for Game of Thrones, then you will love our newest podcast, Freeze All Motor Functions, which we're pretty much doing the exact same thing except with the show Westworld. And instead of Barrett and I, the show is run by Jared Borslow, and I am there to pepper him with insults as we run through each episode. Um... 
Every Sunday, as you know, right now, a new episode of Westworld comes out. Well, just like during the season for Game of Thrones, on Monday, the podcast that coincides with that episode will drop. Then on Thursday, we release another podcast that has hotline calls. Uh, it's all centered around listener voicemails and questions and theories and such. And we're having a great time with it so far. Westworld, as you know, very complicated show, much like Game of Thrones. Takes a lot of explanation, unpacking, and deep thought to really understand what's going on. So we're trying to do the best we can. And I think we're doing a good job, but I'm biased. So check it out. See what you think. Freeze all motor functions on iTunes right now. Uh, check it out. 866-43-CLAMS is our hotline number. You can call it questions or takes or clam fam corrections whenever you want. It's just a voicemail, and we listen to all the voicemails and pull the ones that we feel are uh, most relevant to the show that week. We got six calls this week. We're going to run through real quick. Here's the first one. Hey, guys. This is Kelly calling in from California. You guys were asking about some Bolton legacy, some history on Bruce Bolton. So <clears throat> the Boltons have always been at odds with the Starks. They were the second most powerful house in the North before the North was unified. And they have a history of keeping the skins of the men that they played. So just think about that Ramsey times 10. Um, some of them also wore the skins as cloaks. And rumor has it that they hung up the flayed skins around their great hall. Now, when you talk about Ruth Bolton, Lord of the Dreadfort, Warden of the North, poisoned by our enemies, unfortunately, he had a son prior to Ramsey, a legitimate heir, via his first wife, who died of unnatural causes. Now, the son, who is about 20 years old, when Viserys was taken in by Illyrio, just to give you some time, he was poisoned, supposedly, by Ramsey because Ramsey wanted to be Bruce's sole heir, and by also maybe killing off the wife, this would solidify Ramsey as Bruce Bolton's only person to turn to, leaving the Dreadfort. Now, there are two fan theories. Um, the Grand Northern Conspiracy, where the North rises up against Bruce Bolton, but there's also the Bolt-On theory, which indicates that Bruce Bolton may or may not be the son of a White Walker, and he may or may not be seeking immortality. So. Just some thoughts to chew on. Have a great day. Love you guys. Bye. Kelly from California really took a turn there at the end. Okay, yeah, just a break, little, break, break that down for me. Background on the Bolton house, uh, the fact that there was another son. There was another son. That Was that, he a bastard as well? No. Legitimate son from a legitimate wife, both of whom died of unnatural causes. Of unnatural causes. Both of whom, were, it's suspected that Ramsey was responsible for both those deaths. Ah. Uh, you know, and forging the path for him to become the only heir. But yeah, at the end there, she gets into the potential, I guess there's a fan theory that Roose Bolton is the son of a White Walker. That's interesting. Never heard that shit before. Crazy. Uh, not something I anticipate coming into play on the show. Unlikely. Now that... Just be weird if one of the White Walkers came in and was like, Roose, I am your father. Well, also, Roose is dead, so... Yeah, that'd be tough. <laughs> It'd be real tough. You just have to bring him back and then tell him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Guess so. Anyway, thank you, Kelly, for the okay, uh, background on Good the Bolton Good to know. House. Good to know. Yes. 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 Next call. Hey, this is Taylor from Montana. Um, I just wanted to say and talk about when you guys were talking about uh, Stannis and his wife and why his wife hates Tareen. Well, the reason is because if you remember the episode, she had all those live uh, stillborn boys behind her, like in those glass jars. And he just is so disappointed in herself 
that, like, she had all these boys, but they died, and then she has this girl, and this girl gets straight-faced and almost dies, too. So it's, like, it's a, a reminder of her, like, failure to produce an heir for Stannis to do what she's supposed to and uh, for it. But uh, that was just what I want to talk about. Thanks, guys, so much. Love the show. That's a good explanation. We, we questioned, yeah, or right, I questioned, yeah. uh, the, the reasoning behind the hate for Shireen, and uh, that's that's exactly right. She's this is just, she's just a reminder of the fact that she failed to produce a legitimate heir for Stannis. So yeah, good call. Next. Hey, Clam Fam, it's Tyler, but people call me Grant. Here in LA, just had a comment about Barrett's statements uh, in this last episode about how everything is being heavily influenced by Lannister colors and Lannister emblems. Got me thinking all of the rumors of Jamie and Cersei having inbred children could have been avoided if she was just wasn't so proud of being a Lannister. All this, all, all you'd have to do is just display Baratheon shit, and no one would have fucking questioned it. Also, uh, lastly, stop shitting on the phrase "coifs." Coifs are fucking tight, dude. All right, peace, clan fam. Love you. I'll be straight with you. I didn't hear anything you said after uh, he said, "This is Tyler," but people call me Grant. <laughs> they call him what? Grant. Gr- oh, Grant. That's a guy named Grant who just wanted to say this is Tyler <laughs> because we're the number one podcast in the world for, for Tyler's. For Tyler's. Yeah. So we're big in the Tyler community. Everybody knows that about us. I thought that he said his name was Tyler, but people called him Granite. I thought he had like a cool nickname based on the rock, the rock from it, the, Ooh, okay. the rock type of Granite. Yeah. But I think you're right. As you are closer to the speaker and can hear better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, dude, for, for whatever reason, we're at this table and it's like the most awkward. Barrett chose to sit at the opposite end. Because I didn't. Okay. Because I feel like if I sit at this one where I'm sitting next to you, then I'm looking over to my side and, and then I'm like, not talking into the microphone as much. It's like sitting at a booth on a date and the same side. Yes. With the girl. Yeah. So yeah. It, that would have been weird too. Okay. So he said, yeah, no, the Lannisters just really lean into the. They're like, no, we're totally not fucking brothers and sisters, but but no Baratheon sigils or but, colors. But let's get please. rid of all the Baratheon stuff now that the one Baratheon is gone. And uh, and then I think he was trying to defend the phrase uh, choice of headwear. Yeah, he likes which, their hats, which there is no defense for. So I, I can't go back to you. go back to your shanty and wear your little stupid hat. Yeah. Uh, also, from now on, my name is Ross. Uh, my name is Tyler, but people call me Ross. <laughs> so just keep that in mind, henceforth. Hey, guys. My name is Steve. I'm calling from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, so I'm calling for a couple reasons. One, I kind of have a clam, pl- clam fam correction of a clam fam correction. So a couple weeks back, uh, somebody called in saying their name was Tyler, and her voice sounded rather girly. Uh, she was doing a grammatical correction, saying she's a teacher. Well, she played you guys. That is my wife, and her name is Stephanie. She got on the air probably because, you know, you guys love Tyler. So that's one thing. So kind of a correction. Part two of my call is I wanted to let you guys know that, you know, you were talking about this wedding thing. My wife, Stephanie, not Tyler. Um, we got married at Lambeau Field, actually, and we did part of that ceremony. She actually had a custom cloak made for her and that ceremony. So we did a cloaking ceremony, we did a hand fasting ceremony, and we even spoke the words. He is, you know, he is mine, she is, you know, that whole bit. So we did the whole thing and that was, uh, we did a very pop culture reference wedding. Um, 
Heck, our dog's name is even Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Anyway, love you guys. Love the show. Keep it up. See, I knew it. I knew it. I knew knew there were cloakings going on out there. Thanks for the call, Tyler. Uh, Dude, (laughs) what a nerd family. You got to respect that. They got married at Lambeau Field, which... It just this Packers fans are a whole other level of human. But yeah. who to do a Game of Thrones centric <clears throat> wedding at Lambeau is next level. That's next. Yeah. Also, yeah. I wonder, like, to get married at Lambeau, do you have to wait like six generations on a waiting list, just like you do to get season <laughs> tickets? Pro- yeah, that's like, probably yeah. It's probably that these nerds they didn't even want to get married at Lambeau. It's just their great 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 grandfather had them on the waiting list, and it came up. They're like, "Fuck it, we might as well." I'm just picturing that, like, on every Saturday in the spring, they just like divide the stadium into quarters, right, or maybe even eighths, right. and there's just like eight weddings going on at one time at Lambeau Field, and they're all Game of Thrones themed, and most of them are Game of Thrones there's themed, cloaking, and the ones and- that aren't our lord of the rings theme. yeah yeah uh well hey th- very much appreciate your participation tyler and tyler for calling in uh <laughs> wish you the best on your in your marriage and that's 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 one of the coolest calls we've ever gotten i'm really taken aback here next call what up guys this is scott from phoenix it's got a question we talk a lot about trash houses so who is worse the gray joys or the phrase uh, anyway keep it up love what you guys are doing Ross, RBP, gang, 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 backdoor cover, freeze all motor functions, keep it up. I love when callers plug our other shows. It's the best. Man, that is tough. Uh, between the phrase and uh, the doofus, what, what was the other one? Greyjoys and phrase, who's the more trash house? I'm going to go, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think the Greyjoys are the, the, mo- the most trash house. I completely agree. The phrase even though they they cheated and squirmed their way into it, have at least, like, executed a plan, pun intended. Yeah, at least they're in the fucking game. And they're, and are, like, you know, making some moves for themselves. Right. However... Slimy they may be. Slimy and big and nitwits they may be. Meanwhile, the Greyjoys, not only... Is their entire way of life just terrible? Straight garbage and terrible. Just terrible. (laughs) Yeah. They, They... They... have turned down opportunities and deals like the ones the phrase ex- accepted. Right. And instead have just kept, you know, tripping over their dicks nonstop. They're just trying to pay the iron price out yeah, there. Yeah, just, just doing nothing good. Nothing good. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about the phrase, but at least they've got one guy as the head of the house living the high life with like all these <laughs> young wives. And, and at least one person is enjoying themselves, evil as he may be. The Greyjoys have no one enjoying themselves. They're all miserable. They all suck. Their lives all suck. Their islands sucks. Their clothes suck. I guess, to be fair, we do eventually get introduced to a Greyjoy who has some fun and enjoys mm-hmm. himself, but that true, hasn't true. happened yet. Right. Yeah. All in all, my least favorite house in the show, all things considered, is definitely the Greyjoys. They're the most trash house. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Cool. All right, Barrett. That's all the hotline calls. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the progress on the shirt that was promised. Uh, yes, there is progress being made on the shirt that was promised. Uh, Grand X podcasts are as transparent as possible. They're well known for this. We're the most transparent podcast network. Everybody's been saying it. Out there. Everybody's been talking about it. Everybody's been saying it. Um, look, we only have a few designers here. And our rowdy gentleman spring 2019 stuff is all due to our various suppliers vendors printers etc right now it's crunch time baby and they are grinding their asses off on that so the 
shirt and the design, which I did post a little preview of on my Instagram story. I saw it. It's looking very good. Yeah, there are the the design is in the works. We are close, but it's but I, but I'm I'm gonna stop saying that it's it's imminent because because you don't know because I don't actually know, it's, and we want to make sure uh, we we have like we could have just slapped something on the shirt and said here's the shirt. Right. But I wasn't convinced that it was good enough for you guys. We're trying to make it great. We want it to be like a dope shirt that you will want to buy and wear. So just bear with us. Be patient. Yeah. The shirt that was promised is coming. Barrett's got the designers on it. But again, this is, you know, it's a workload thing. We're an actual company with, with other priorities and shit. And unfortunate as that may be for us, the point is we're getting it. It's just a matter of when. And you know what? For the time being, that's the last update you're going to get till it's available. So just unless you follow Barrett on Instagram and he feels like maybe throwing up another iteration or something, I don't yeah. know. But yeah, the shirt that was promised will be here eventually. When it is, we'll announce it. And you know, I get it. Tom Petty said it best. The waiting is the hardest part, but anticipation can also be half the fun. So Ooh, sexy. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Season four, episode three, Breaker of Chains, written by Benioff and Weiss and directed by Alex Graves. This episode starts right where the last one left off. Uh, in King's Landing, zoomed in on a dead Joffrey's face. While Cersei goes berserk, blaming Tyrion. Uh, then everyone's freaking out trying to find Sansa, who has just been whisked away by Ser Dantos, the alcoholic fool. Um, Tywin is yelling for them to bar the city gates. No one leaves the capital. No one. And uh, we finally see this escape scene play out with Dantos and Sansa, where he takes her on a little canoe, he paddles her out to his ship through a bunch of fog and whatnot. Yes, all of the sudden, we are on the set of Pirates of the Caribbean. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and we go out there and... The whole... Everything changes. It's all dark and smoky and blue and We've gray. We've never seen this type of weather before. And there's like are. about to be some ghost skeleton pirates like swabbing the deck real soon here. Yeah. And so they're met by none other than Littlefinger. Uh, turns out, Littlefinger... Part of the Sansa escape plan still. So, of course, being Littlefinger, he kills Dantos with a crossbow, right? He has two of his men. Killed Dantos with a crossbow, crossbow through the face and the chest, uh, as he puts it, because he was a drunk fool and I don't trust drunk fools. Kind of fucked up just to use the alcoholic Dantos for uh, his own purposes and then execute <clears throat> him. Also kind of careless... The whole way this thing unfolds. Uh, Littlefinger explains to Sansa that Dantos only did everything that he did because he was following Littlefinger's orders, right? Right, right. Uh, every one of them, that he did it all for gold, as if that somehow makes Dantos's kindness to Sansa null and void and credited entirely to Littlefinger. That's basically the argument he's making. Yeah. Look, look, all the nice things that guy did. He only did them because I told him, told him to. He really did it for gold. I'm the nice guy. Yeah. Which is just a weird argument to make. Yeah, and and meanwhile, I gotta I gotta note that I think this is the most slithery and foreign Littlefinger's accent has ever sounded. We got a lot of people that hit us up on Twitter being like, "What the hell? His voice is so bad in this it's, episode." Yeah, it, like you know, th this this is this gets talked about quite a bit, I think. But this was one where it was like very clear. I was like, "What is what? Why is he talking? What is he talking? Like yeah, yeah." It's funny because. I don't remember ever taking that much issue with his voice, like in the past. But during this night, the night's rewatch, I'm constantly analyzing right, why he's right. talking the way he's fucking talking. Well, it's just weird because it's 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 almost as if they go on off season and he forgets the yeah. what accent he used in the previous season, 
And then he comes back and he's like, okay, wait, wait. It's a how, was it, how, was it, how was I doing it? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Close I, enough. Uh, whatever. <laughs> he comes off as kind of like almost as if Littlefinger is drunk in this scene. Kind mm. of. He's like super sleazy. Yeah, very. So sleazy in this one, yeah. But it really says a lot about him that he would make the argument that he as the puppet master being motivated by something purer and bigger than just gold, mm -hmm. uh, being motivated by power is somehow more noble or better. Yeah, yeah it's a load of shit. Yeah, he's... The guy's a fucking nut. So... Then he smashes Sansa's necklace to prove to her that he's behind all of this, that the necklace is folly, that it's fake, whatever. Um, and he just kind of tosses it down into the boat with mm -hmm, Dantos. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that just kind of create more questions? Like if they find the canoe, I'm assuming he just knows they're not going to find the canoe, like it's going to sink or float off or some shit. But like if somebody finds the canoe with dead Dantos in it and a necklace, doesn't it just add more questions to yeah, the... Yeah, okay, I thought about that too. In fact, when he tosses that necklace into the boat like that yeah I, it it almost was like he did it on purpose right so almost like he was like leaving the clues behind on purpose to try to make it confusing or something yeah okay. I, and i don't i don't exactly know why he would do that yeah i don't either but he you know i mean he very well might have been drunk i have no idea uh but the thing here to to really you know take from this is that he was in cahoots with lady olena tyrell i i got a quick question and this yeah. is sort of jumping forward here but does this mean that olena also is in the does she know that this was going to frame Tyrion as well it sounds like it and and based on because Tyrion speaks to that a little later in the episode and says that whoever did this wanted him to lose his head well which is right and we get like that's very clear like this was right but you don't really ever see Olena or Littlefinger really for that matter as someone who would want Tyrion wiped out right like it just kind of random yeah uh, maybe it was just kind of like a a happy coincidence maybe yeah that, i don't know but that's that there was like this obvious f fall figure in Tyrion there right i think that's just the way it played out like maybe they, that's just the way it played out they might have been hopeful that someone would take the fall but it was more important that just nobody that they didn't get caught right that anything. they're not the ones implicated yeah hmm. yeah because the way it played out with Tyrion kind of up there as he puts it gawking like an idiot and like picking up the cup and being when like, the whole what thing the with fuck? the cupbearer and the wine like they, they couldn't they, they have couldn't predicted have known that, that. no nah, they couldn't have predicted any of that it just played out kind of perfectly so I'm not really sure why Tyrion is of the mindset that whoever did this has to have wanted him to take right, the fall right right because I don't see it that way at all. Um, it's just interesting to me that Littlefinger and Olena kind of co-produced this whole thing. Yeah, right. Right? Cause it's because it seems weird for Olena to like get in bed with somebody Littlefinger, like Littlefinger, right? Yeah. yeah. But I yeah. guess she had to do what she, she had, had to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of Olena, the next scene is her and Marjorie having a conversation to determine the validity of Marjorie's claim, basically. Olena says that... At, what, of whether or not Marjorie is queen, more than you were with Renly, less than you would have been <laughs> had Joffrey done you the courtesy of consummating the marriage before dying, which is kind of just an ironic thing to say, seeing as that she's the one who literally killed him. Right. Uh, we do find out in this scene that Marjorie had no idea this was all going down. Right. That this is for sure. Like, Olena kept it from her to protect her. Also important to note, my grandma looks a lot like Lady Olena, which has never hit me before. And during <laughs> watching this episode, I was like, they have the exact same face. And it is maybe part of the reason I love Lady Olena so much. But uh, we also get a golden line from Marjorie. One of my husbands preferred the company of men and was stabbed through the heart. Another was happiest torturing animals and was poisoned at our wedding feast. I must be cursed, which is... It's not not true. It's not not true. <laughs> 
She has had bad, bad, bad luck with husbands thus far. And yeah. it should be noted that both of them were Baratheons. Uh, or technically. Sort of, yes. Sort of. But, yeah. Uh, Olena says, you did wonderful work on Joffrey. The next one should be easier. And we immediately flash to New Tommen, who is looking over his dead brother's body with his mother while his grandfather gives him a speech about being king. I'm still shocked. And how quickly Tommen went from Tommen to New Tommen and was thrown into the game. Yeah. Like, this is a matter of three, four episodes. Yeah. Where he went from That's being true. a dead Lannister <laughs> to king of Westeros, yeah. of the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah, seriously. I, th- I think it's like, yeah, I think maybe five episodes. Yeah. Five, a, a five it, episode arc. That kid, the actor had to have been like, wait, what? You want, you want a what? <laughs> like, y'all just killed me on the screen. Yo, in the inside the episode after this, one of the either Weiss or Benioff or Weiss, they keep calling him Toman. One of them keeps calling him Toman. It's really weird. See, everybody pronounces the names wrong. Toman, the, in the, and then the other one calls Cersei Cersei. Cersei. I've always noticed that. <laughs> that, that it's one really of them, weird. First of all, I, I can Aren't never you tell. Are you on set? Don't you hear how everybody says these names? I can never Tommen, tell which, Cersei. which one is Benioff and which one is Weiss. I don't need, I, I, to this day, I don't know which is they which. They are one person to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of them has always said Cersei that way. Cersei, and I, and yeah. I've always been like, what the fuck? And you know how many people call in to be like, Ross, it's not Ruse, it's Ruse or Bruce, uh-huh, whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They always want to correct me. The fucking showrunners don't right. even know how to say Ex- all these names. Ex- people, yes. Come on, give me it's a very fucking true. break. All I know break. is one of them, the one that says Cersei is the, has the, the short, short buzzed hair. And then the one that says Toman has the silver fox salt and pepper hair and is married to Amanda Pete. But I don't know which is which. I think... Benioff is Silver Fox. It's married to Amanda Pete. Okay. Yeah. And then Weiss is the other one who says Cersei, I believe. That one's Benioff. Yeah. Okay. Benioff says Toman. They're the same person. Uh, anyway, so this whole scene is Tywin basically taking Tommen, immediate, new Tommen, immediately under his wing. Yeah. To try to teach him the best quality of being king. They talk about uh, perhaps holiness is the best quality. Perhaps being just or strong. And then finally they come to wisdom. Uh, A wise king knows what he knows and what he doesn't. And that's where you see the whole scene is just playing out for Tywin to be able to get this kid under his thumb. Right. He doesn't really give a shit if the kid learns. Basically the very first thing that he says to him is, you need to listen to me forever. Right. (laughs) He just puts it in a way that's clever enough yeah. so that it's not so obvious. It is clever. And I mean, you got to love how he just thrashes Joffrey, dead Joffrey, right in front of Two dead Joffrey away. and his mom's. I love Cersei's expression this entire time because she's like so traumatized and she's just blankly staring at Joffrey's corpse yeah. while her dad bashes him. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Uh, this is not the best day of Cersei's or Cersei's life. By, by any means. No. And then it's also great how, as and right after he gets Tommen, you know, like starting to think like, I got to listen to my advisors, he then moves right into the sex. Yes. <laughs> Dude, this is the least polished <laughs> approach of all time. Oh, first of all, to quote one of the quotes about him bashing Joffrey, he says, your brother was not a wise king. Your brother was not a good king. If he had been, he'd probably still be alive. Yeah. Which is just fucked up. He's yeah. been dead for like 20 minutes. Uh, but then, yeah, within five minutes of starting this conversation with New Tom, and he's telling him all about the birds and the bees and explaining how to further the Lannister line, because after all, that's all Tywin gives a fuck about. He doesn't, again, I cannot overstate this enough, he doesn't care about anything except 
furthering the line and his legacy, basically. Yes, and this is really, this is almost, there's there's like, not only is he just being, you know, incredibly callous throughout this entire scene, but it's really, it's it's interesting. It's like an even another, it's, it's another look at how he sees relationships in general. Yes. That like, even, it's almost like he's just like, expecting Tommen to be asexual almost he's like the only the only reason because he keeps saying what but why why do you need a wife as if you wouldn't want one for stuff like companionship and sex well i think it's because he's like no 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 really the only thing that really the only thing that a wife is good for is giving you children I think it's because New Tom is so young okay. that he presumes maybe he doesn't even care about girls yet. Okay, that type okay. of thing. Maybe that's but that's a good point. But even so, I thought this was the clearest look into Tywin as a whole that we've ever gotten. Yeah. Um, because you're exactly right. It's so telling about the way he looks at even his own grandson. It's just cra- he has no real like empathy for anybody. No. Yeah. It's just straight up business. He's like, hey yeah. man, your brother was a shit king. Uh, now you're gonna need to stick that little pecker into Marjorie, <laughs> but make sure make sure the juices come out because that's how babies are made, mm-hmm. and that's the only thing you're supposed to do in the rest of your life, basically. Yeah, very weird. Uh, from there, Jamie enters and tells everyone else to leave. So he's got the room alone, creepily with with his sister and their dead son. And Cersei immediately continues on where she <coughs> left off about Tyrion being responsible, that he told her he would do it. She she throws out the quote, the day will come when you think you are safe and happy and your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth, which when it happened, we referenced as mm-hmm. one of the things that she holds to think Tyrion did all this. Yep. Uh, then it gets a little more intense. Cersei wants Jaime to avenge Joff and kill Tyrion mm-hmm. like outright asks him and Jamie's like whoa let's take a step back there Tyrion is my brother there will be a trial we'll get to the center of what happens soon enough so she's like fuck that we're not waiting there's no trial he'll squirm his way to freedom given the chance she wants him dead now and uh f- f- Jamie I guess sees that as a window of opportunity for sex and is like you know what fuck it <laughs> I'm just gonna rape her <laughs> It, this is one of the most uncomfortable scenes in TV history. Well, they history. start with like the makeout, and then she's repulsed by like, his hand, by the yeah, the lack of hand. And then and he's then, had enough. He's, he's done waiting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like you said, this was an uncomfortable scene. There was a lot said about this when it people for, were when very it first angry. Went down, and I actually never went back. I don't think I really went back and like rewatched it very closely. Like when that was all right going down. So I was, I, I was like kind of, you know, I was watching this time. And yeah, this is an aggressive scene. It no, is it, definitely a rape. It certainly is. But here's the thing you have to remember. This is a television show. So the outrage is kind of wasted on me. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, sure, sure. Come on. Like, it, but these are, it's, a, it's not real people. But also, <clears throat> your point is a good one. Like Taylor, you know, sitting next to me watching the episode, my female wife, is... Uh, was like, well, no, it's not real. Like, is it? And then as we watched it, she was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, yeah that's kind of exactly how I went into it. Because, like, based on my first viewing, I was like, well, she's kind of into it. Like, right? Like, but doesn't she kind of kiss? But no. She, she keeps saying, stop it. And it's then not he, right. He, right, yeah, exactly. And he keeps saying, I don't care. Yeah. That's what it's... That, yeah. And, and no, I'm with you. Like, I'm not exactly... Like, this is a part of the story. Right. Therefore, uh, 
I mean, you can be outraged or whatever if you want to but be, it's a but, story. but it's just part of it's the story, story yeah. and it happens. And you're not supposed to watch this scene and go, yeah. Right, right. You're supposed to watch it and be like, God damn, these people are messed up. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's my next note is that it, it this is kind of an interesting moment in the arc of Jamie in general. It's very interesting. Cause yeah. he's, cause he's kind of like on the road with, um, Brianne, he's kind of like taking two steps forward or a step forward. And here he just takes two back for sure. Yeah, it's, like, it's interesting. It really kind of the death of Joffrey temporarily broke Jamie. Because uh, he returns to like the arc of becoming a better guy, right? But exactly. for this, but for here, this scene, really, this yeah. is as bad as we ever see him. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. He's he's raping his own sister. Yeah, this is this is one of the worst things we see anybody do in the show. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how this affects the rela- their, their relationship going forward, Jamie and Cersei, because as we know, they have a very complicated relationship. Mm-hmm. They are kind of estranged at the moment. Now he has committed <clears throat> this heinous act. And we do get to a point eventually in season seven where Cersei's basically like, it's just me now. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck about you. Right. So, something to keep an eye on. Uh, over on the road to the Eyrie with Arya and the Hound, the Hound says he might book passage and travel across the Narrow Sea to fight as a sellsword after he gets Arya to the Eyrie. They're kind of talking about, like, what mm-hmm. are we going to do when we're done here? Yeah. And Arya says she'd like to go to Bravos. Yeah. She says she has friends there. Uh, it's just interesting, the Hound saying he might go across the narrow sea and fight as a sellsword. Like, it makes you wonder if that had actually played right, out. Right, if that had, Would yeah. he have somehow ended up in Khaleesi's service he, anyway? He could something? have. He could have. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's he's that's probably what he's best suited for. I liked... I This, this scene was noteworthy to me because it's like... Uh, I, Arya seems to... She's, she's kind of... She has compartmentalized or moved on from what just recently happened, right? basically. Right. She's in like not that bad of spirits. And in fact, they have like the most quippy little back and forth that we've maybe have seen yet. Yeah. Like the most bantery. Uh, the line about where he just tells her, oh, just point out the next map shop you see and we'll stop. Yeah. Like, like making really, jokes and yeah, shit. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, but yeah, this, this and their little their little story in this in this episode is very back and forth and witty and and you know kind of funny at times so it's easy to look past but i think you just made a really good point it's something i hadn't really thought of either and it's that aria is seemingly unaffected by the fact that she just again saw something or was right outside of seeing something horrific happen to her family like her mother and brother were just murdered and she's kind of already back to normal yeah i mean i think i think it's it's just part of of her development is just like it just steals her you know like it, it instead of right. wallowing in it she is hardened she by uses it, it as yeah. fuel yeah and i mean it's something to keep in mind because later down the road you're like damn Arya is an angry little fucker well that's mm-hmm. why she's suppressing all of this shit and then letting it out in these little violent you know yeah. bursts uh anyway a man and his daughter while the hound and Arya are talking come by on a cart and Arya tells them that this is her father who fought for House Tully and they lost their mother in a fire to kind of try to explain the burns on his face and shit. And uh, the man is like, okay, well, if you're part of House Tully, you're free to come sup and sleep on our land. And uh, they're like, well, shit, we're fucking starving. So we are totally down for that. So they hit this dude's house up with him and his son or daughter. Is it a daughter? Daughter. Daughter. Sally. Uh, but first, before they eat. Sally, girl. Gotta say a prayer. 
to all and seven of the fuckers. This prayer is a long one, yeah. and they are starving. And he's like, "You have to do all seven of the fuckers." <laughs> uh, then they eventually do eat, or some form. It's like basically like watching a pig eat slop. <laughs> Both of them are just yeah. dumping this they bowl are. of brown. I assume that's what brown looks like into their faces. Bowl of brown. Oh, bowl of brown. It's a uh, rabbit stew. Ah, it's so del- not a bowl delicious of brown. rabbit stew. Delicious rabbit stew. Yeah, their host brings up again. Again, the, the the first of all, he says now they're calling it the Red Wedding. So th- I think that's the first time we hear the Red Wedding reference. Maybe so. Yeah, I'm not positive, but I think so. But he talks about how Walder Frey committed savagery savagery that night or that day by breaking bread with the Starks, offering them guest right, mm-hmm. which is something that has been mentioned time and time again. But yep. they just really want to make sure that you remember that's one of the reasons it was so fucked up. Uh, the Hound points out guest right doesn't mean much anymore. Which obviously that's easy to say now, mm-hmm. um, but it kind of gives you some more insight into maybe how Walder Frey arrived at the decision to do that. Like, yeah, I thought, yeah, I, that that line stuck out to me as well when he when he says that guess right doesn't mean much anymore because it, like it's an old tradition that some people uphold, but most so, people are yeah. like, ah, guess right, get the fuck out of here with that shit. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, yeah. So I, I don't know, I don't know. Um, what does end up coming of this scene is this, the, their host offers the hound a job basically as like a bodyguard for him and his daughter in their land. He says, fair wages for fair work. And Arya is shocked when the hound accepts. This is like, wait a minute, what? I thought we were going to the Eerie. Now suddenly you're accepting a job from this random dude. Like you're going to, what? But that doesn't last long. Arya goes and takes a nap. We don't really know the time frame here. I'm going to guess in the books that probably some time passed. It was more like a week. Maybe mm-hmm. the hound really did serve and work for fair wages and shit. And the, But in the show, we're not going to fuck around and waste time with that. So Arya takes a nap. She hears a fight break out. The hound has punched out the old man and taken his silver. Uh, he says they'll both be dead come winter. He's weak and can't protect himself. They'll both be dead come winter and dead men don't need silver. Arya calls him the worst shit in the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> The hound says, there's plenty worse than me. I just understand the way things are. How many Starks they got to behead before you figure it out? Which is a really good question. And probably something she takes to heart. Um, I noticed this is a step forward for the hound. He doesn't murder anyone. Yeah, yeah. He just punches him in the head and takes his shit. Right. But they do end up dead. Yeah. Both these people. And the hound has to see it. He has to see what, what he left there. Yeah, but it did make me feel like that wasn't as powerful as is. You know what I like? Cause just because he left him, left them there. I mean, okay, never mind. Because he was supposed to be the one to maybe protect them. Right. Fair wages for fair work. Yeah. That wouldn't have happened to them if he had stayed and done, held up his end of the deal. Okay, yeah. so never mind. Yeah, got it. Over at the wall, we start out with some dude pointing out how most of the members of the Night's Watch are rapers or thieves or thieves and rapers. Um, which does you kind of like, why is this going on? But then it comes into play. Uh, Sir Alistair Thorne and Jano Slint, who have become like the bad cop buddy duo, rip on Sam the Slayer by calling him that, asking him if he's going to visit his wilding whore. And Sam's like, she's not a whore. <clears throat> and uh, Jano Slint's like, maybe I'll give her a copper tonight and find out. And they like laugh and <laughs> fist bump each other. It's just, yeah. they suck. So Sam goes and checks in with Gilly to make sure she's okay. He's He really wants to make sure nobody's fucking with her, right? He, he says, a hundred men, one woman. There's a hundred men lying awake at night picturing you. 
and this kind of stirs up further their romantic bond. Oh yes, there you can re- you can just really feel their sexual tension right here. Yeah, she's God, like, they "What about a, you?" God, they want a bone. Do you stay up at night and think about me? <laughs> and he's like, "I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe." Uh, the problem is that Sam more concerned with protecting Gilly than actually planting his uh, little sword in her. So he, the the romance quickly dies off as he's like, "Look, this is a bad, bad idea. You staying here at the wall. You are not going to be safe. There's too many dudes. There's guys making jokes about you're a whore." Nobody knows what the deal is here. A bunch of these dudes are accused rapists. That's where the yeah. rapist thing comes into play. Um, he's like, I got to take you to Molestown. I don't really understand his logic. I think it's the only other place he could think of that's close by and convenient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you got to remember, Molestown's filled with whores. This is, Molestown's not a great place either. It, no. And as we find out, when, when they go there, it's fucking awful. Yeah. But anyway, he's like, you, you maybe would be safer in Molestown. Gilly gets really pissed off. She takes it the wrong way and like thinks he's getting bored of her or something when he's just trying to protect her. It's this whole deal. Men and women never see eye to eye. Uh, then over in Dragonstone, Davos meets with Stannis. And Davos is once again just, he, just, he can't catch a break. Boy, he really stepped in it this time. He can't catch a break. Stannis is gloating. He shows him this letter informing him that Joffrey's dead. He's like, ha see, look at this. Me and my red woman, we did that magic. How about yep. that shit, huh? And he's pissed at Davos because he's like, look, dude, that Gendry kid's blood worked. And this would have been an incredible opportunity for me. But, oh, wait, you set him free. Fuck you, Davos. And he wants an update on how Davos is doing searching for an army for him. Yes. Davos names like three <laughs> houses. Yes, he names three houses, which somehow, I mean, just these, these were probably houses from the book. But just props to the writers in GRM for making these, like, they're the perfect names for just weak-ass houses. They sound pathetic. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, I've got, uh, I've got House Musgood, <laughs> House Hay. <laughs> and then there's another, there's a third one, the first one he says that I couldn't write down quick enough, but I, it was something really pansy-ass, like, like Peasbody or something. Yeah, they all sound incredibly <laughs> not useful. And yeah. Stannis' reply is, uh, they don't even have enough men between them to raid a pantry. To raid a pantry, yeah. It's a very modern line. I guess pantries have been around yeah. forever, but... Turns out they got pantries in, yeah. in uh, Dragonstone. Davos is like, well, what about the Golden Company? That's an option. And Stannis freaks out because they're swords, which Davos rebuttals with we're willing to use blood magic but we're not willing to pay men to fight which he has a really good point not really sure what the deal is there um but anyway stannis points out look even if we wanted to go that direction we don't have any gold so stannis is he's still in the worst spot of anybody on the show he's got no men he's got no gold and, and he makes a good point too he's like he kind of the only reason that he really even has a claim right now is because he made a claim and he's fighting for the claim yeah. Like it's kind of over for it's kind of over for him already. If he doesn't except go, for the fact that he is still out there making this claim and fighting for the claim. Right. So if he doesn't continue fighting, if he doesn't then it's ma- really yeah, over. Exactly. If he doesn't like act, if he doesn't make any movement forward on this claim, it'll then it's away. just it's just going. I mean, it's going it, away. It, it's like, kind of like when you're a celebrity if you you got to stay in the news to maintain your right. fame. Yeah. And Stannis, if he doesn't do something to stay in the news soon, yeah. people are going to forget he's even out there. Yeah. And, and this, is, this is another, I think, point in time where like, it's, it's maybe helpful to remember exactly how many years have passed. 
like we're going on years two, three, four here. Right. Like Joffrey's been king for a minute now. He's dead. They're already on to the next one in, in that lineage. Like, and, I mean, you can make the argument Stannis got one good fight in in which he was completely obliterated. Yeah. Rob's dead. That threat's gone. Like, you you know. The, He's just sitting out there at Dragonstone. Yeah, with you're no really gold, not. You got no nothing. Men. Yeah. He tells Davos, I'm running out of time, Sir Davos, which means you're running out of time, which is kind of a shit threat. It just... I get it. I get that he's upset with Davos. He continues to blame his his failures on Davos, but Davos doesn't really have anything to lose. You know, it just I don't know. I don't I don't really get it. Anyway, Davos goes down, meets with Shireen, Stannis' daughter, and uh, continues to learn how to read. Another very good back and forth here. I it it, it almost felt like a it was almost like a Gilmore Girls scene. It was so quick and and fast paced. You got to give Shireen a lot the, of credit. That, that little wit. actress. Yeah, she's great. She's Little used in the show up to this point, but it is a very good scene. Um, and she's very much her, her father's daughter. She's belittling Davos like at the same pace that Stannis did. Mm-hmm. And Davos is like, fucking Baratheons, man, just <laughs> beating my ass. Get off my back. He's taking it on the chin left and right. Uh, then he tries to explain the difference between pirates and smugglers to Shireen, and it causes him to have this epiphany. And he's like, quick, quick, I need you, Shireen, to write this letter to the offices of the Iron Bank of Bravos from Stannis Baratheon, the one true king of Westeros. So once again, Davos is meddling. He's taking a gamble. We're not exactly sure what he's doing yet, but he's very clearly making a move here, doing something he's not supposed to be doing in Stannis' name. Stannis is probably going to be upset about it very soon. I'm sure we will see next episode. Back at the wall, Sam, or I'm sorry, back north, Sam takes Gilly to Molestown, where all the whores are, and it turns out that everyone in Molestown is insanely creepy, uh, which shouldn't be that surprising, but he's going to dump Gilly off on these people so she can clean and cook and shit, and the madam of the particular house that he's in in Molestown is like, I could find other work for Gilly. There'd be money. We'd give you a piece of it. Sam has the opportunity here to become Gilly's pimp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no other work. He's like very clear, but ah, you, you can't think he felt great walking away from her here. No. And he's, he's, I don't think I, I'm with Gilly here. He's not getting it. Like, no, nah, he's not doing a very good job because from her point of view, she has been safe through a lot worse than Castle Black because she's been there with Sam. Right. So at Castle Black, she's still there with Sam. Like that's who she trusts. That's like he he's basically like missing that he's the one that's supposed to be protecting her now. Yeah, which he gets later, thankfully. So, but at this yeah. point, he's so completely don't, you lost. Don't go dump her in Molestown, which is basically an equally scary place where there's no where he's not even going to be there. It, what would have happened here had Sam not realized his mistake and had some other what what goes down if it hadn't gone down? She would have become a whore. Yes, this you don't dump a girl at a whorehouse for safety and expect to come back and not find her working as a prostitute. Yeah. So Gilly's frustration and anger is understandable, but I also do kind of feel for Sam because it's like up at the Night's Watch, he is, you know, Sam the big fat dork Mm -hmm. to everyone. No one respects him. No one is scared of him. He would have a very hard time keeping her safe. But he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, in my opinion. Over in King's Landing... 
Oberyn Martell and Ilaria Sand are just uh, orging their brains out on a Lisa mattress. Everybody is getting their fuck on here. Yeah, it's well documented uh, that the Lisa mattress is, is the best bed, not just for orgies, but for sleeping. Yeah. I noticed no, I didn't see a single Lisa in Molestown, by the way. No, no. Oh, there's a real no. Darth. The real mm-hmm. Darth of Lisa mattresses there. Yeah. Maybe that's Just the next a, place we try to get them. Yeah. But mm-hmm. for now, they're they're totally void of Lisa mattresses in Molestown. If you want to get the best sleep of your life uh, and and potentially have an orgy just like Oberyn and Ilaria, <laughs> then you need to go to lisa.com slash dragon today. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon Lisa Mattresses, big sponsor of the show. They're giving all the Clam Fam $125 off your Lisa Mattress, plus a free pillow that would normally cost you 75 bucks, just by going through that URL, lisa.com slash dragon. Uh, if you decide you want to go a little bit more expensive route, they have a mattress called the Sapira that combines memory foam and spring technology, and you get $200 off that as a member of the Clam Fam. That is the mattress, the Sapira mattress, that Barrett and I both have and our separate homes, and uh, it is fantastic as well. Either way you go, you're going to come out a winner. You can try the Lisa mattress in your home for 100 nights risk-free with free shipping always. They have expanded their offering to include the Lisa pillow, blanket, sheets, foundation, and frames. All of those are available online with free shipping. Uh, I've been getting more and more Snapchats from members of the Clam Fam Mm, who mm. are going out and making the change to the Lisa mattress, and I am very pumped for all those people. It's very exciting to see that we actually have a sponsor that we you know, we believe in, we stand behind, and we get to sleep on, and then now we've got members of the Clamp fan jumping in and, and, and joining us. So if your mattress is old, or you just think that it's not very good and you could do better, go to lisa.com slash dragon today. Check out what they've got. Trust me on this one. They're fantastic. Uh, it's the best mattress I've ever had. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it every single night. Lisa.com slash dragon. L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon. So, to bounce back to the orgy. Oberyn is still boning the blonde male prostitute from that's in Littlefinger's employment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out that that blonde boy is not so much into chicks. He like he doesn't want none of Alaria. He's like, I never acquired the taste or something. Um, all this is to say, it's kind of just a cutesy little sexy scene before some other more important things happen, but we do find out Oberyn is full pure bisexual. Oh yes. He says the gods made that and it delights me. The gods made this and it delights me. I would go so far as to say much like pop star Miley Cyrus, Oberyn could likely be considered pansexual. Is that what, is that what that's called? Pansexual is just like attractive to like just people. Just you just like love people. You're just attracted to every anything and everything. Anything that's human. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so not like a cactus, but any human. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that just bisexual? Okay, so I guess now there's more than more than two sexes is the argument. Yeah. Okay, got yeah. it. Got it. Fair enough. Whatever. He says, when it comes to war, I fight for Dorne. Yes, when it comes yes. To with love, pansexuality, it's regardless of sex or gender identity. Okay, got yeah. it. The 2018 version, 2018 of, version of bisexuality, sure. Yep. Got it, got it. He says, when it comes to war, I fight for Dorne. When it comes to love, I don't choose sides. Uh, at this point in the episode, it struck me that it's really odd. No one suspects Oberyn or Dorne of being behind Joffrey's poisoning, seeing as that it happened immediately after they arrived, which is ironic because Tywin immediately enters the room and questions that very thing. Uh, he enters the room without notice, mid-orgy, he asks to clear the room, stays with Prince Oberyn, everybody else has to get out. 
Oberon offers Tywin a seat on the bed, which they were just having an orgy on, which you have to imagine is just covered in sweat and cum and disgusting juices. <laughs> Not really sure. He's just being coy there, right? Like oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tywin respectfully declines. He does. He does. Uh, but Tywin is suspicious of this whole situation, or at least he's going to use... He's, poten- pre- he's pretending to be. He's obviously not. To fuel the conversation. Yes. Yep. Uh, he says, some believe the king choked. And Oberyn says, some believe the sky is blue because we live inside the eye of a blue-eyed giant. The king was poisoned. And Tywin's like, I heard you studied poisons at the Citadel. And Oberyn's like, I did. This is why I know. All of this comes to a head with Tywin questioning the purpose of Oberyn and Tyrion's meeting the day before Joffrey's death. Oberyn bringing up the fact that he holds Tywin responsible for his sister's rape and murder, as we've heard time and time again, and we'll continue to hear. Uh, Tywin points out that he is both unarmed and unguarded, which is a risky move. That is the one thing you have to say about Tywin in the scene. That he Rarely do we see him with his guard down or in a position where he could be hurt. This was a risk. To go to Oberyn, but a but obviously a calculated one that he felt great that he felt good about. That's the other thing that he doesn't do anything that he doesn't. Yeah, you're exactly right, and he was so where he doesn't know he 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 has the upper hand. He was so spot on here because he very quickly turns Oberyn. Um, like he like the. Tyrion categorically, I'm sorry, Tywin categorically denies any involvement in Oberyn's sister's murder. Elia is her name. And that's all it takes. Oberyn is like, okay, well then cross Tywin off the list. I would like to speak to the mountain. Like it, it was very easy to get this dude to kind of leave him be, which is weird to me. Well, or at least for the time being. But, but see, I don't think that Oberyn has been here from the get-go solely for revenge. He wants information. He wants, well, he wants something, right? Otherwise, otherwise, he he's being very cavalier and open and out there. Right. It's like if this, if all this dude wanted was to, you know, kill people, kill Lannisters, bag Tywin and bag the Mountain, should have come in swinging. Yeah, he should have just come in covert style, gotten some business done and bailed. and snuck in and 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 gotten the biz and gotten the biz done. And Good. knowing this guy, he might have been able to do that. I had never really thought about that. that so he might have had ulterior motives in general. Well, so then I—I I mean, he's—he—he he seems attracted to the idea of bringing Dorn back onto very much the so. small council. Yes. So it's kind of like he was—he was ready to play ball too, right? And, which is crazy. I didn't and now really they're think gonna about that. and and isn't Tywin basically like saying like, "Hey, you sit on this. You sit on the judges panel for me." And then let's bring you on to the small council, and then I'm kind of going to give you the mountain on a silver platter. Isn't yeah, that what he's he, saying? Basically, Oberyn requests to speak with the mountain. Tywin says he can make that happen as long as Oberyn agrees to sit as the third judge on Tywin on Tyrion's trial besides Tywin and Mace Tyrell. Uh, he says Tywin, or Tywin says he will also invite Oberyn to sit on that small council as one of the king's advisors, and that's when... Oberyn's ears like really perk up like you said which is mm-hmm. not something you peg him as like a guy who's interested but he's very clearly interested in like getting Dorne back into the game yeah um and that's the exchange that's agreed upon Tywin brings up the wildling army marching on the wall and the Targaryen girl with three dragons in the east to kind of give you his headspace right like <clears throat> what Tywin's thinking right um and he says you help me serve justice to the king's assassin and I will help you serve justice to Elias. So, 
really surprising turn of events there for me. Like even in a rewatch, I've seen this and I didn't remember the way it unfolded. I didn't. I didn't quite remember this either. Yeah, and it's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Well, you tend it's it's very easy to forget based on what happens in the second half of this season, right? <laughs> that that, that any this, of this was even ever on the table. Good point. Um, but yeah, yeah. So t- so you know. Oberyn and Tywin. The Dornish very, were the only people that figured out any type of way to like resist the dragons. Right. So what, the, what he, did they figure out? He references that. He says that they were the only ones to from, not. From what I've read, it was it has a lot to do with their landscape in Dorne. Okay. I think they've got they've got like a lot of like I I think it's like mountains and valleys and stuff like that that they were kind of where they were able to kind of like they Use were able elevation. to like kind of, yeah they were able to like maybe like surround dragons if they if they could get them low enough and then and i think the the dornish are also used the uh i'm not going to remember the name of their little bolt but i think it was the dornish that oh that effectively were able to use those whatever they call that the scorpion or whatever the scorpion they call things it. Yeah. yeah yeah okay huh. um yeah. but yeah important historical note that the that tywin made there too yeah next podrick visits Tyrion in his cell uh, he mentions that he attempted to smuggle in some wine for him, but they caught him. However, he did manage to get in candles, a quill, some parchment, duck sausage, almonds, and some hard cheese. Yeah. So pretty good. It, you know, everybody on this show appreciates a good charcuterie board. and It's true. As do I. And so just, you know. This is a good charcuterie board. That's yeah, what this it is. It all sounds good to me. A little duck sausage, some almonds, as, as I think Pod calls almonds. them. Almonds. Almonds. So, yeah. yeah, but sad about the wine. It is very sad. That's got to be extremely disappointing for Tyrion. Um, he asks for word of Shay, and Pod has heard nothing. He then informs Tyrion that he is to stand trial in a fortnight for murdering the king. And uh, Tyrion, just as a point, says, I would like to think that if I were arranging a royal assassination, I would do it in such a way that I wouldn't be standing there gawking like a fool when the king died. And... We had already made reference to that. But uh, Podrick also informs Tyrion that the three judges that will be presiding over his trial are his dad, uh, Mace, and Oberyn. Oberyn is a surprising one to Tyrion. Tyrion's like, you really got to hand it to my dad. Yep. That fucker. Um, then Pod needs a list of names from Tyrion of people he wants to stand witness for him at the trials. Tyrion's like, all right, fine, fine, fine. Sansa. Pod's like, well, she's gone. He's like, oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, what about Varys? He's like, uh, actually, he's already been called as a witness for the queen. And he's like, God damn it. He can't really think of anybody else. He's like, well, at least I need to see Braun. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's, he's not allowed to see you because he's a known cutthroat and uh, an associate of yours. He's also under investigation himself. And Tyrion's like, well, can I see my fucking brother, Jamie, please? And Pod's like, yeah, I'll ask. I'll ask. He's, he's in a very bad spot here is the point. Uh, he he himself, Tyrion, is still trying to figure out who is responsible for Joffrey's death. He suspects that maybe Joffrey was too difficult for Tywin to handle mm-hmm. and that Sweet Tommen will be much easier, kind of implying that perhaps Tywin had him taken out. Uh, he doesn't think Cersei would do it. He says, say what you will of Cersei. She loves her children. She is the only one I'm certain had nothing to do with this murder, which makes it unique as King's Landing murders go. Great line. Yes. <laughs> um, but all in all, Tyrion's totally in the dark, both literally and figuratively. And before he leaves, Pod stops and turns around to inform Tyrion that a man whose face he didn't know asked Pod if he would testify against Tyrion in exchange for being made a knight, Sir Podrick Payne. Um, they want him to tell the 
the judges that Tyrion bought a poison called the Strangler. And at first it seems like Tyrion is like, dude, you need to do that. Go testify against me. Like, I will not have you dying on my behalf. But then he gives him an order to get the hell out of King's Landing. Yeah. Before it's too late. And he's like, Pod, this is farewell. Yeah, that I was a little confused too, uh, too, because it does, at first he's like, no, 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 you need to testify against me. Don't disobey these guys. But then it's like, then he's saying, no, if you already told these guys no, get the fuck out of here. Get out, because now you're Cause in Because the danger. next step is not going to be so gentle. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, Tyrion tells him there's never lived a more loyal squire. It's this very touching moment. I wanted to ask, because uh, I don't recall, how long until they see each other again? Like, when are they reunited? I that, Yeah, I, that's, I've got that too. I don't know. Because Pod goes with Brienne, correct? Ah, that's right. So that's I, right. Don't, I think it's not until they meet in the dragon's pit that Tyrion and Pod are reunited, but I could be wrong. That's that, okay, yeah, good call. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, then we bounce over to a random village south of the wall where a dad is talking with his son as he gets hit in the arrow or in the face with an arrow from Ygritte. And then the Finns and Tormund squad descend together upon this poor village. It's a very like Lord of the Rings scene mm-hmm. type of deal. Uh, and everyone is being cap- or slaughtered by these guys, by the, the Finns who are batshit crazy. And as we know, they're cannibals. And we're introduced to Gaiman. Gaiman is the little kid's name who's just a, you know, you feel for him as his... I thought Gaiman was his dad. Isn't the little kid Ollie? They do call... Okay, you're right. They do call him Ollie. I swear to God, the little kid is Ollie. Huh, okay. The one who inevitably... You think his dad is Gaiman? Yeah. If it's not his dad, it's like his stepdad or his mom's boyfriend or some shit. It's kind of confusing. But that little kid is Ollie, the one who Jon Snow kind of takes under his wing. No, no, I know who that kid is. I'm saying you got to feel for him here because of the whole mom and dad dying and getting eaten by Fens thing. But also that kid also turns out to be a real shit. Yeah, he's a a real piece. (laughs) Yeah. My note is everyone except a little shit named Ollie uh, is is captured by the thing. Anyway, the thin says, those your parents, open your eyes. I'm going to eat them. Do you hear me? I'm going to eat your dead mama, I'm, and I'm going to eat your dead papa. Your dead mama and your dead papa. God, the Thens really suck. Um, they, uh, that, there's another thing that you got from the inside the episode. Uh, they talk about how, like, the Thens are the wildlings that even the wildlings don't like. Yeah. Like, it, like if it, to the to the southerners, to the south of the wall people, wildlings are, are just you know, wildlings. are crazy. Yeah. But then in, in wildling culture, that's the thens to them. The like thens are the wildlings the, the to the wildlings. The are the wildlings to the wildlings. Yeah. 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 He says, go tell the crows at Castle Black. So he turns Ollie loose in the direction of Castle Black uh, to warn them that they're coming, which is, I don't, the whole thing's kind of weird. But to make a point here, if you didn't notice, this head thin, the main guy, he's extremely bald. And it's pretty likely that he could have avoided ever becoming this angry cannibal altogether had he just used our newest sponsor, Hims. Mm. Because here's the deal. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. That thin is, I'd guess, around 35. Uh, and the thing is, once you start to notice that your hairline is creeping back, that it's slowly moving backwards, it's usually too late. So what you want to do is be proactive. Do something about it first. That's where our sponsor, Hims, comes in. You can go to forhims.com slash dragon, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash dragon today. And our listeners, members of the Clam Fam, are eligible to get, for five bucks, 
a trial month of hymns right now while supplies last. Normally, everything that you're going to get in this trial would cost you hundreds of dollars and a shitload of time if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. That is the biggest point to remember here. Uh, dealing with something like balding or any of the other male issues that arise, whether it's skincare or sexual wellness or whatever, these things can be embarrassing and a pain in the ass to address. Hims kind of circumvents that entire process. There's no waiting room. There's no awkward doctor visits. You're saving hours by going straight to 4hims.com slash dragon. And you're only spending five bucks to get that trial month. What you're going to get in that trial month is going to be equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. So this isn't like some bullshit snake oil products or like gas station horny goat weed or anything like that. These are prescription solutions backed by science you don't have to go to a pharmacy. They come straight to your door. Uh, all you have to do is spend a few minutes by going to forhims.com slash dragon. You'll get connected with a doctor in your state. You take a couple pictures of your scalp if the balding is the particular issue you're trying to deal with. You send them to that doctor. Within minutes, you get set up with your prescription, and it's on the way to your house. So yeah, that's how that's, – that's, just think about all the steps they cut out there for you. So no doctor, no pharmacy. It's five bucks come straight to your door the whole the whole kit and caboodle you get the prescriptions you get some over the, the you get some stuff that's over the counter type thing i think you get some gummies some biotin gummies maybe multivitamins multi the yeah just everything all all the things yeah it's a great need. deal if you're if you're having issues with hair loss or any of the other male issues that we mentioned go to forhims.com slash dragon today and get hooked up don't end up a thin <laughs> that that's the main takeaway here <laughs> Over at the wall, Ollie has quickly made it there and told the Night's Watch what happened, and Alistair Thorne, acting Lord Commander, points out that the Wildlings are just trying to draw them out. Thank God he's smart enough to at least realize that. That's the reasoning behind this thin sending Ollie up to the wall. And uh, just to see if they're stupid enough to come yeah. out, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maester Aemon Targaryen points out that they have just over 100 men. This is important to remember, because mm-hmm. we're getting a figure here. But those 100 men include stewards and builders and him, who is bald and old as hell. So he, he's, he's trying to get them to remember their first responsibility. We are the watchers on the wall, he says. Uh, Alistair Thorne makes a strange move of asking Jon Snow his opinion on the matter. And Jon says Mance Raider is coming and that if, they, if that force gets through Castle Black, they're going to roll through all of Westeros anyway. And all these people that they could potentially go protect here are going to die anyway. So they can't be running out like that. And Alistair Thorne agrees with John. They need to reinforce Castle Black and defend the wall. Just then, as that argument kind of settles, some rangers return. It turns out it's Ed and Grin, and they're returning from Craster's Keep, where they were being held captive by the mutineers and Carl. Crazy Carl's up there. Crazy just, Carl. It's Crazy Carl is at it again. God damn it, Crazy Carl. This shithead. We could have had those delicious, we delicious biscuit crackers yeah, together. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know how Ed and Grin got away from Crafters Keep. I, I completely forgot about this. I forgot about this entire storyline. It's a pretty impactful one. Yeah, I forgot that Ed and Grin were trapped at Crafters, and then they make it back, and that Crazy Carl and and Crazy Carl and what's his face, the other one, the the not quite as fat Sam, uh, are yeah. up there. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Everybody knows who you're talking about. Not quite as fat 
facial hair. <laughs> yeah. Angrier. <laughs> Angrier. Yes. Angrier. Um, slightly less fat Sam. For some reason, I want to say his name is Raj, but I know it's not Raj. That's not it. <laughs> but we can call him that. We can do whatever we want. Um, Jon Snow is like, well, fuck that. We got to ride north and kill them all. And Alistair is like, dude, we just went over this. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? We can't leave here. And Jon's like, no, 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 it's not about that. <clears throat> I told the wildlings that we had a thousand men at Castle Black alone. Uh, well, Carl, crazy Carl, he knows just as well as I do that that is not true. And if Mance gets to these dudes at Craster's Keep before we do, we are fucked because crazy Carl's going to tell Mance how many people we actually have up here and they're going to unleash hell and we're all going to die. So now it's a real problem. They do have to go north and stop Crazy Carl yeah. before Mance reaches him. Which is good, because I'm looking forward to seeing Craster's Keep again. Me too. Which is Me a too. lovely place. Across the narrow sea, Danny and her forces approach a new slave city, Marine, which is the one they end up hanging at for a while that we yeah. confused earlier. Um, Marine sends out a champion, like in the movie Troy. And uh, they want Danny to send her own champion against this champion. It's like, it's literally straight out of the beginning of Troy. Yeah. Marine's champion takes his penis out and pees in Danny's direction. And all the Miranese laugh because they, they have that kind of sense of humor. I guess I'd probably laugh too. <laughs> and uh, Missande says, uh, the guy's yelling out shit in, yeah, in just Miranese. Really yeah, yeah. And Missande, he's being very vocal. Yeah, Missande translates. He says that we are an army of men without man parts. He claims you are no woman at all, but a man who hides his cock in his own <laughs> asshole. And she, it's like the 400th time we see Masande having to translate a line <laughs> Some, yeah. that brings her great shame to even repeat. Yeah. Uh, but very, very funny. She does it well. She's incredible. She's um, like, oh, God, don't make me say this. Okay, here's, here's what he says. Here's what he says. In his own asshole. Son <laughs> of a bitch. Yeah, Grey Worm is like, uh, yo, I would like the honor of taking out their champion. Danny's like, dude, you're the commander of the Unsullied. I can't have you just going and fighting some random little dude. This is not as important as you commanding my armies. Barristan Selmy's like, I have killed more men than anyone in the Seven Kingdoms. Let me do this shit. And Danny's argument's kind of weak. She's just kind of like, nah, that's why I need you at my side. I think she's like, you're old as fuck. <laughs> Shut your fucking old mouth, old man. But uh, then Jorah volunteers, and Danny is like, Oh, Jorah, you're my most trusted advisor, my most valued general, and my dearest friend <laughs> in all of friendly land. And Jorah's like, I hate my life. Uh, and then Dario's like, what up? I'm from the streets. I've got nothing to lose. Yeah. I'm a bad motherfucker. And mm-hmm. she's immediately like, go for it, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Da- so Dario was her choice all along. They just had to do this whole... Song and dance. Do- song and dance, dog and pony show, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, they had to, they had to go through the thing, the 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 Spartacus thing, where they're like, "I'm Spartacus, no, yeah. I'm Spartacus," but they all know they're going to get turned down, and then that boom, it's Dar- Dario's turn. They they, it, they really, all knew it all along. We just needed another opportunity to shit on Jora. That's what this was. <laughs> we just needed to further enforce that okay, she's did, just his dearest friend. Did you see on Instagram this video of this these two people that are on the Wayne Brady like Let's Make a Deal show? Oh my and god! And the guy gets absolutely put in a coffin. Yes. By this girl. Yes. That's life ending shit. It, that was excruciating to watch. Uh, I, it's two people on a game show and the hosts ask their relationship. How, he says like, how long have you been together? And, and the guy like, six says months? six months. And the girl's like, no, no, no. We're just friends. Yeah. And it gets worse from and there. And then she's like, I'm single. Guys. I'm, yeah, she I'm goes, single. I'm single. I'm single. I'm and single. He, and so you the can, whole audience that she's single. <laughs> you can watch him 
You can watch him slowly, just like the light in his eyes goes out, and it's just fucking over for him, man. Yeah, that's yeah. Jorah. That's yeah. That's, that so got, anyway, that's Jorah. Yeah. That guy got Jorahed. Uh, anyway, so Danny says you have quite an audience. Make it worth their while. New Dario just kind of stands there. He doesn't even want a horse. He's like horses are dumb, and I'm not dumb. I'm smart and sexy. Yeah, I'm smart, handsome man. And uh, this champion is like riding <clears throat> full steam ahead at Dar- New Dario, and New Dario winks at Danny. He doesn't even have a sword out. He's not even moving. He's just fucking standing there. And finally, he pulls a dagger. He kisses it. He throws it into the dude's horse that's riding full st- speed ahead at him. The dude flies off the horse and lands right in front of him, and New Dario cuts off his head with a scythe or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Okay. Easiest execution of all time. This The champion, the Miranese champion... Is a moron. Just a real moron. Look, if a guy is out there just standing there, and that's the dude that you're about to fight, and he's just being real calm and collected about it and not doing anything, maybe, like, maybe, you know, scope out the situation and, like, ride around him slowly and kind of, like, trot anything around. Anything but what he just did. Like, yeah. What, what are you doing here, my man? <laughs> dude. Like, this dude obviously has something up his sleeve. He wildly underestimated his fighting ability. Yes. <laughs> it's the worst and the thing is, if you're the Miranese, you got to do better than this in picking a champion. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this guy is, was so hot-headed. This I is mean, some shameful shit. He's taking his dick out. He's peeing everywhere. <laughs> he's dying in 10 seconds. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Not uh, a good showing no. from the Miranese champion. Me- me- immediate mm. beheading is not the way you want to go when mm-hmm. you're trying to be a champion. So Danny announces herself to the city and to the slaves in, in particular. She's not talking to anybody except the slaves. She talks about how she freed Astapor, she freed Young Kai, and now she's at Marine. She's painting a picture for these people like, look, here's the deal. I go around and I free people, mm-hmm. and then they're free, and then they stand behind me, as you can see. Uh, you're next. Let's fucking do this. And she, she says fire, and we get the noise that normally accompanies uh, when she says, how, how does she say fire to the dragons? She says Dracarys for the oh, dragons. Oh, thank God. But here she says, Nemebetas. Oh, I thought she just said fire. No, Maybe she, the caption, the caption says, fire. says fire, and she says nemebetas. nemebetas. It sounds tight. Cool. Well, it sends containers, like they fire all the catapults, and they, these containers crash all over Marine, and you're like, what the fuck is inside these things? And it's the collars of the slaves. Yeah, and you gotta... The, I was like, okay, wouldn't... I would automatically think that she was just go, just jumping right into the war here, catapulting all these things at me. Right. And they're like, they're just chilling there up on the, they're you like, know, up on the balconies. Whoa, don't let those hit you. Whoa, <laughs> this is crazy. Like they, like they know it's just going to be like this symbolical catapult. Like, well, these can't be fireballs because right. no one said go war yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it ends up being these slaves' collars, the chains, if you will, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the episode ends with one of the slaves like holding up a collar and being like, this is just like my collar. Mm-hmm. And then he looks back over his shoulder at his master and he's like, maybe I don't need you. Yeah. And that's that's the end of the episode. But uh, I, I can't remember. Does she not even have to fight to get Marine? I think she, that's her influencing the slaves to just rise up and kill I, the masters. Okay, yeah. Some so shit. I, I was I couldn't remember. I it crossed my mind that we were about to get a thing where like all the slaves just start killing the masters. I have a feeling next episode just starts and she has Marine. Like she didn't even have to do a battle or anything. I, I can't quite remember. But yeah, because I was kind of like expecting like, because isn't there one part where they just, where she just lets the slaves like take out all the masters? That I feels think like, so. That feels like something that happens somewhere. It does. Yeah. It, 
You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I think she fires all these fucking chain things mm-hmm. with the collars over, but then also they send in Grey Worm and like some of his dudes. Okay. And they go in and tell the slaves, like, hey, yo, this is legit. You do not have to stand around here and be enslaved for these dudes. All you have to do is rise up and kill them all. And that's when they go out and we get that badass scene. It says, like, kill the masters in blood on the wall. Yeah, yeah. And then one of the masters gets jumped by, like, 15 of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's all going to happen next okay. episode. The next anyway, episode, that was next episode. Yeah. Oathbreaker. So yeah. we'll get, we're going to get Pod. We're going to get the Valyrian Steel Sword. Maybe yes. we're going to get some, some, some master murders. Uh, season four, episode four, Oathbreaker. That one's written by Brian Cogman and directed by our girl, Michelle McLaren. We will be talking about that next Monday. Again, remember to go to manoutfitters.com and use the code SUMAI at checkout. You can also use that code on rowdygentleman.com at checkout. SUMAI, S-U-M-A-I. Get 10% off Rowdy Gentleman and get 15% off on manoutfitters.com if you spend $150 or more with free shipping. Always. Follow us on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles, and on Twitter at Clams and Cockles. You can like us on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Our hotline number is 866-43-CLAMS. Call it with Clam Fam Corrections. Questions. If you want to sing us a cool song, we're down with that. Whatever it is, hit the hotline. Uh, I'm Ross. You can follow me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at WRBolin, B-O-L-E-N. Barrett, where can the good members of the Clamp Fam follow you on social media? You can find me on social mediums, all of them, in fact, at Barrett Dudley. That's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-D-U-D-L-E-Y. For all the members of the Clamp Fam out there that have already written reviews for the show on iTunes, we very, very much appreciate you. This is part of the oath you took, all right? When you join the Night's Rewatch, when you become a man or woman of the Night's Rewatch, Part of your oath that you have to uphold is leaving a review for the show. So please, today, if you have not already, go to iTunes, dot, or not .com, but go to iTunes, the app. Uh, type in Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. Hit the subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating and write a quick review. It takes just a couple minutes, and it means the world does on the show. It helps us get up on the charts. And for new people to join the Clam Fam, and the bigger and better we get, the happier we all are. So do that for us. Uh, the shirt that was promised will eventually be coming out on grandexshop.com slash OCC. That's G-R-A-N-D-E-X shop.com slash OCC. But for the time being, we have other shirts available on there. We got Oysters, Clams, and Cockles themed shirts, some other Game of Thrones themed shirts. So check those out. Grab them there. And uh, as we said, we'll be back next Monday. Love ya. Okay, bye-bye. Oathkeeper. Oathkeeper. We mean Oathkeeper. The episode is called Oathkeeper. Do not come at us with corrections. Oathkeeper. Yes, that was our, that was my mistake. My fault. I planted it in Ross's head and then he said it too. It's Oathkeeper. Yeah. Oathkeeper. Okay, bye.